You are listening to the Massive Report podcast. What are we doing here? What's going on? It's December. It's the holidays. It's Sam has outside. a festive T-shirt on. It's pouring down rain, but and, we're, it's, and it's dark. Usually, we, it's very it's sunny. Dark. And we, but we missed each other, and so why not? There's a lot to talk about. It is the return of the Massive Report podcast, December edition. We have a lot to update you on. Merry we Christmas, a, everybody. Happy World holidays. Cup. Thank you, Sam. We have a World Cup going on. We'll uh, talk about the, the good stuff and the not-so-good stuff and the tragic stuff here in a moment. Uh, we are at Saucy Brew Works. I mean, let's face it. One of the reasons we're here in the middle of December, it's the oh, holidays. Cheers. So let's... Uh, cheers, lads. Let's Cheers. Sam and uh, chicken, chicken fingers for yeah. Sam. Get one of those chicken fingers and clink it against Yeah, there, we, <laughs> there go. we go. We're at Saucy Brew Works where we eat, where we drink, and it's it's awesome. And we thank them so much for having us. Like and subscribe to the Mass Report Podcast. Please, if you would, um, uh, uh, if you'll indulge me, Bart and Murph and Sam, mm-hmm. uh, the 30th Andy Manathon is this weekend on our air, CD92.9. We're raising money for CD92.9 for the kids. We honor the, the memory of Andy Mann every year, raising money for our Children's Charitable Foundation. You can go to cd929fm.com slash thon. You can buy a song now and get in line if, if you have something in mind. Or you can wait and call in during the weekend and pay for songs. You know, after you've had a few mm-hmm. saucy brew words, you get a little loose and, and you start firing off the credit card for bizarre songs. So you're saying if there are, you know, crew fans or Nordic fans yes, that, are, we that need, are they're fans of a certain certain I am issuing from the band Toto, they exactly. might be able to hear it on the radio. Exactly. Is there a limit for the amount of times a single song can be played in that 24 no, hour span? If people pay for it, I would be glad <laughs> to do it. There's also the Weezer version. You can switch yeah, no, the Weezer no, version. No, there isn't. Well, just if you want to change no, there things. isn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, I am issuing. That's a good point, Bart. I am issuing a challenge to Crew Nation, certainly to Nordec, mm-hmm. to give what you can to the kids. I know it, economically things are not the best, but if you can spare a few bucks for for the kids, Nationwide Children's, uh, mm-hmm. and on our sleeves, the Mental Health Initiative, yeah. homeless families, Special Olympics, etc. It's all for kids. This was Andy Mann's brainchild thirty years ago, and we carry that flame forward. And if you could donate, please do. And uh, also our eBay auction, guitars, vinyls, etc., have been signed. So thank you for indulging me in that. It's very dear to my heart for self-evident reasons. And always, I, I want everybody to cause. know about it. Always yeah. for a good yeah. cause. Get That's on awesome. this, people. All right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Well, we're going to start with the tragic passing of soccer journalist, uh, Grant Wall, who more than, you, more than just soccer, yeah. I oh, think just a, a, an outstanding human being who uh, was unafraid to speak his truth. Yep. And, and by that approach and by that avenue to the world's game, he uh, he got an opportunity in his 48 years to speak truth to power. And that's not always easy, mm-hmm. as we saw when he showed up with a, a T-shirt that didn't meet approval. Just a few weeks ago, when the World Cup started, and yeah, the it, first game, yeah, yeah. the first game, um, a, an astounding loss at all too young an age of forty-eight years old. We have subsequently found out today through his wife, who is a mm-hmm. esteemed uh, physician, yeah. that it was an aortic uh, aneurysm, I aneurysm, yeah. which 
it's one of those ticking time bomb things that you hear about. Mm. It's very, uh, there's a guitar player for that band, Judas Priest, mm-hmm. who had the same yeah. thing happen to him yeah. several months ago. He actually survived it. And wow. as I read, really? yeah, they mm. rushed him into surgery and they saved his life. That it's a less, that, I think it's like a less than 5% chance that you can yeah, survive I, that. Yeah, there was really, it was just one of those things. I mean, we all had very dark thoughts about that, given that Grant Wall was very outspoken on certain topics that the, that the committee there in uh, Qatar didn't find particularly uh, pleasant for them. And so they were pushing back at this. So we all had our thoughts about this. Regardless, it's just uh, it's just a tremendous tragedy. His he leaves behind a wife and children, and um, by all accounts, brother, a brother who yeah. other uh, family I assume. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just awful, and it kind of it just made me kind of sick. And I I haven't really watched any of the games since. It, it, I I don't even know what to say. It's just like it's unbelievable. Just 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 disbelief. When, when the news came across, it just and and it seemed because he had made and to your point, you know, he, he wasn't afraid to speak truth to power to, to go up against this. You you contrast the way that he was covering and talking about this World Cup by what you see on Fox Ugh, Sports. Yeah, um, you know, just just completely, you know, papering over um, everything that's happened with it. And look, it's it's not like uh, you know, Cutters the first World Cup that's you know had. Some uh, putting a little bit of lipstick on a pig. Okay, there's rightful criticism in Russia in 2018 as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, FIFA is a you know a nakedly corrupt organization. You can go back to um, Argent when Argentina yeah, yeah. hosted, and there's protests during the final. It, I mean. it, it, exactly, but but Grant wasn't you know going there to do um, PR work for you know the Qatari royal family as, as you're seeing yeah. on Fox Sports and, and, yeah. and with a lot of these other folks I mean they literally you know were paying people to come over there and do it yeah. um, but 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 Grant I mean his his work you, you touched on it Brian I mean there's if there's a you know a, a US soccer journalism Mount Rushmore he's on it he's probably you know the, the I think preeminent yeah. I, I, I I don't think anyone surpasses him um, and and just the fact that again you know throughout his career, um, he wasn't afraid. He wasn't trying, you know, even with U.S. soccer, he wasn't trying to carry the water uh, for MLS. He wasn't ever trying to carry the water. He was going to go and, and make it was not an access journalist. Um, and that's something that, that's that's harder and harder not to be. Oh, sure. absolutely. The pressure is immense. Who told us that the crew were moving to Austin? Yeah. Yep. Grant Wall. Grant that's Wall. why I saw his tweet and I just stared at it for forever. Almost. Yep. Just like, what? What's going on here? Yeah. But, you know, the, the personal stories that I've heard and read about, everybody has the same story, uh, a variation on a theme of just their time with Grant, whether it was five minutes or, uh, you know, 25 years. Everybody spoke of him the same way. Sam, I know that, that you had an encounter with Grant Wall. When was that? Several, actually. Uh, the most recent would have been 2015 when he came on the podcast. Here on then, this very the, podcast. Yeah. On this very podcast. The, the before, before my time, for the Cup. Yeah, the, ninth, the night before MLS Cup. Um, and it was, I mean, this was a highlight reel of podcast because we had him on. We had Simon Borg on. We had uh, other other celebrities that were on. But those the two stand out. And what was great about, oddly enough, first time I ever connected with Grant Wall was on Twitter. And he DM'd me about 
if I knew somebody in the Egyptian Soccer Federation because it was back during his bid to be president FIFA of FIFA. President. Yeah. And he was doing his like world tour thing, trying to get a federation <laughs> to nominate him. Um, and that was like, I was shocked by that encounter. Did you know I, like, this person? Did I know Grant? The president of the mm-hmm. Egyptian Soccer no, Federation? I did not. It was a nice try. I, anyway. Because I would have tried. Why wouldn't Sam know right, right? <laughs> Um But I, uh, Patrick Goldan and I ran into him in Detroit while we were covering the USA Canada game for the Gold Cup one year. Um, ran into him at other at other events, MLS Cup, uh, playoffs, away games. Uh, but what what was always astounding, one, is how gracious and willing to stand there and have a conversation. Two, when he came for MLS Cup, uh, he literally, we were all on, a, on this really long table at Land Grant, and we were having all sorts of technical issues. And he just hung out and chatted with everybody and took pictures with people that recognized him and want to take pictures with him and just shot the breeze. And it's like, did not act like a celebrity, did not look down on us, did not, you know, uh, and, and that was, that was really, uh, that was like really kind of like what endeared him to us. Um, but yeah, I, you know, like you said, I, part of me was like, damn it, Grant, why are you the one bringing this news about moving the crew? Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, I think I think his assessment of the situation, again, he stayed pretty yep. fair while he did. You know, he acknowledged that there are some issues in Columbus. But he also acknowledged that the league, you know, had some hand in this and that what Precourt was doing was not probably the best. Um, so, yeah, I there are sometimes you, you see a news of somebody's death. And even if you didn't know them very well, it hits you really hard. Oh, absolutely. And that was... I sat there stunned for a solid 10 minutes just yeah. to be like, what just happened? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's really sad. I, so my first, without even realizing it, my first Grant Wall experience was the LeBron James story yeah. for Sports mm-hmm. Illustrated. Mm-hmm. I read that story back when I was a kid. Didn't realize Grant wrote it, but great story. You know, he was the one who crowned him King James. And, you know, obviously... A lot See, of, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And oh, a lot of guys. Yeah, he, he was a college basketball writer. That's mm-hmm. what he did. Oh. And then I don't know how the whole thing happened, but he ended up with soccer and obviously took it, took that to. He did college sports in general, but so I think he was very young when he wrote that piece. Yeah, pretty yeah. young. Yeah. And so. What, yeah, that was 02. I mean, that's right. 20 years ago. Yeah, so <laughs> 28, 29, you know, something yeah. along those lines. But then you, you advance further, and obviously Grant gets into soccer with SI, and you know Sports Illustrated put out their own soccer magazine back when that was still a thing, and Grant was the, the guy in that. And I was talking to Adam Jardy the other day. I only met Grant, I think, twice. Once was at MLS Cup. I was not on the podcast that day um, that Sam was talking about, but at MLS Cup, we were both waiting for the really terrible urinals that they had behind the stage there. And he was just standing in front of me at li- in line. Yeah. And I, you know, just introduced myself and, you know, for, I don't know, a minute, minute and a half, we stood there and talked and we both did our thing in the bathroom and went back to the terrible seating and uh, on the stage. But I was talking to Adam Jardy the other day and he said when Adam first got on the crew beat, it was late in the season, he got flown out to, I believe it was a playoff game at Colorado and Adam knew nothing about soccer. And so he just went and Googled, you know, anything he could find while he was sitting in his hotel room. And he read a bunch of stuff from Grant. And so shortly after, he reached out to Grant, 
I don't know if Twitter or, you know, however it was, but Grant got back to him and, you know, gave him some, some advice on, you know, adjust because Adam had covered Ohio state football and basketball yeah. before that. And, yeah. you know, adjusting to this and maybe some things to read on and whatnot. And then Adam said when he was covering same MLS cup, the, the one under Greg where they lost to Portland, uh, this was after Adam had left the beat, but he was covering basketball and came back <coughs> to help. I think it was Andrew covering at the time right. to help him at the game. And Grant came up to him cause he still followed him on Twitter and said, you know, congrats on the basketball gig. And they kind of talked about, you know, covering both sports and things like that. And, you know, this is during halftime. So he spent like five minutes talking to him and they said, you know, I'm really going to miss your coverage of the crew. And Adam said like, for a guy like that yeah. who didn't need to come up, you know, he could have just said hi to Adam and been like, hey, you know, good luck or whatever. But Adam was, you know, to your point about these stories that people have put out, a guy that took his time to come up and talk to him in the middle of an MLS Cup final and then, you know, tell Adam, I'm going to miss your work. And he said, you know, Grant, unfortunately, till the day he died, still followed Adam on Twitter, even though he's covering Ohio State basketball, something Grant has probably no interest in, doesn't cover the sport anymore. So there's been a lot of those things. Um, look, it's anytime someone passes and we were talking about beforehand, there's been a few people that have passed away at this world cup, but you know, it's just a guy like that. that was so influential and did stuff that we all are in some way involved in, be it through actual journalism stuff, soccer stuff, anything is, it's just hard to swallow. And Friday night when news came out and, you know, there were a lot of assumptions right away and whatnot. And I'm glad I guess that's not the right word, but just that there was no foul play involved here. Oh, that's but it that, still you can't sucks. even fathom the the implications of that. But uh, uh, putting that aside, that's that speculation has yeah. been put to rest. It is, but well, it's you know it's the mystery of our time here on this planet. You know, the the one thing that we don't know is what our time span is. Not mm-hmm. to get dark and existential, but um, you know, here's a guy in the prime of his life doing what he loved and um, doing it just about better than anyone on yeah. this planet too. So I just, I just feel awful for his family and yeah. I, I hope that uh, to be across the world, like I uh, cannot imagine. Yeah, it's yeah. just, you just I go to, imagine. you go to do your job on the biggest stage possible. And, you know, by all accounts, other than him being sick for a handful of days, which he talked about on his podcast, I guess, like was doing a great job. Everything was going well. And, you know, I mean, it happens all the time and it, it sucks anytime this happens. But, you know, he was, he was doing what he did best. And, it, it, you know. Well, he will be missed. And I'm just, it, it has to give his family comfort to read all these accounts of all the people that he touched. You just think about the web of, of people that he touched in his life. So it's a life well lived, you know. And uh, somebody sent me today on the. So when he left SI, he started his own website that you subscribe to, and uh, they posted on there. I don't know if his wife or if someone else helps run it, but you know that they, they will get everybody you know money for their subscriptions back. And a lot of people commented, you know, send my one guy started it. Send my whatever money is still left. Send it to whatever you know, charitable donation in Grant's name. And I mean, hundreds of people responded, you know, same with me, same with me. And, you know, so that's beautiful. I, it just shows, you know, the lives he touched, even just 
writing about soccer. Well, Grant Wall will be missed. Gone at all too young an age of uh, 48. Do we do we want to quickly touch on other things in the World Cup? Sure. Uh, we have our final on Saturday, France and Argentina. Long forgotten, Argentina's stunning loss to Saudi Arabia, which I think if you pull out for the long view of this World Cup, I think what we're seeing is that the playing field is getting a bit more level in terms of the giants of the game. And then you look at Germany bowing out in group stage and not showing any life at all. Belgium, Belgium too. One of the <laughs> top three. World Cup pick. <laughs> yeah, one of the top three nations going in in terms of the FIFA rankings. They bow out. There's riots in the street, I understand. See, Back I, in I, Brussels. I knew Belgium was in trouble when their last tune-up, they played the last tune-up before the World Cup against Egypt, and they lost 2 nothing, and they looked mm-hmm. terrible. Well, it was but, probably, but everyone said US USA. Oh my God, they're in so much trouble. Look at they lost to Japan, and now Japan that's not looking too bad. So, the, well, let's let's talk about the USA. Are are we are we happy with as far as we went? Did we go farther than we think? Should we have gone farther? We can, leave, you know, the rain drama aside. Uh, I feel like we landed about where I thought we would. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think so. I think. You know, it it was always going to be hard to advance out of that group, but you thought on paper USA should. Um, I think they, you know, finished about what, what we expected with them, although, again, that, that draw against England, good. Um, and, and, you know, that was – I think they, they ran into, you know, just a really frustrating and, and um, game plan against uh, Netherlands. I think you can, you know, maybe – there are some people certainly because U.S. soccer uh, uh, fandom is never short of criticism for Greg Berhalter on you know <laughs> some of the in-game adjustments he did or, or didn't make in that. But I think it's look it's it's really difficult I think for, for most coaches even if you make in-game adjustments to you know come back from down two goals uh, uh, when you have been playing well haven't been able to finish a couple times. And they finished on their two opportunities. Um, so I, I think Greg can't kinda, defend the yeah, top of exactly. the box. Yeah, and and once one upon of a those time, is on Tyler Adams, yeah. whom everybody you know loves. He had a great coming out party this World Cup. Um, I think oh, they he was in, he was arguably their best player. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. It was, it was well, terrific. there was a, some marking mistakes that mm-hmm. were Jorginho extremely you know, costly, but he was exceptional otherwise in that game. Yeah. Well, I mean, as the Beatles said on the White Album, number nine, number nine, number nine. Yeah. We need a number nine. To me, that's the biggest thing. And look, I have—I don't think I've made it a secret that I'm a Greg Homer. I think in getting to know him. Wait, you're a Greg Homer? Yep. <laughs> uh, in getting to know him during his time here, on a personal level, I really like Greg. But on a soccer level, if you've ever talked with Greg, like the guy clearly knows what he's talking about. Now, Maybe was this too soon in his career? You know, you could have argued that at that point. He'd only really coached at two clubs. But, you know, this was a young team with a young coach. And like I think the youngest, right? The or, second or youngest the team youngest. at the World yeah. Cup, other than Qatar. Um, or other than, it wasn't Qatar, yeah. Ghana, Ghana, other than Ghana. Um, but, and Greg, Greg was a coach who'd never done it at this level before. And if you told me going in to Greg's coaching tenure, you beat Mexico twice. You win the Nations League. You make a Gold Cup final. They won something else during that. You qualify for the World Cup. Yes, they finished third. 
But I think CONCACAF is as good as it's ever been. And not just because Canada got good, but because everybody's benefiting from MLS now. And yep. so it's, it's as tough as it's ever been. You get to the World Cup. You get a difficult group on paper. A group that you're supposed to get out of, but you get and you get out of it. And then you and you draw against England. Yeah, right. And then you <laughs> give Netherlands. Very well. Yeah, it could yeah. have and should have won. Yes. Yeah. And you give Netherlands a game all without a true striker, going back yeah. to your point, Brian. Well, a true proven striker. I think there's there's guys on that team that may develop into that, but I think nope. you can't just go yeah. out and hit the transfer market yeah. on the national right. stage. Well, Greg did that a little bit, and you I think can. that's his biggest thing. <laughs> Eunice Musa was a I great mean, addition. Yeah. Look, at, look at what Qatar has done in nationalizing players from other countries yeah. to play for Yeah, them. but you're still limited. Like you can't right, get right. you can't just go ask Lewandowski if he wants to switch <laughs> over, you know. So he would have Look, probably had better luck than when he did with playing with Poland. If, okay. if true, if it were up to me, I've always looked at this as an eight-year window with this group. And so if, so young. And if I am evaluating as a U.S. soccer guy, and at taking taking my opinions of Greg out of it, mm-hmm. whatever coach you had, I think you want to stick with that guy at least for now. Yeah. Now maybe we get halfway through the next cycle and things are going wrong, or maybe they find out there's more to this Gio Reyna, you know, whatever the case may be. At some point, maybe you move on from Greg, but I think if you switch things up too much now without knowing the inner workings of that locker room, assuming everything is good there and the players like him, which I think they do because most players do, I think you've got to roll with this and continue to build with this group, adding pieces that are going to come. Hopefully you find that true number nine. And and there aren't that many Elite number nines no. in the world. No, 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 no. No. But you don't I even know. need an elite number yeah. nine. You just, just need a guy who's fairly consistent, yeah. who can make the right. I mean, honestly, a Giassi Zardes type, I don't think Giassi at this point in his career mm-hmm. would do that. But a guy who can just finish when the ball's right there in the six and do all the other dirty a work. Giroux. Yeah, exactly. That's a great example. Just and a guy who's just the, like. He's like, where is he? Where's he been the whole game? Oh, he just scored a goal. Handsome. Yeah, he just scored a goal. <laughs> that helps. Oh, there he is. Yeah, if you can find that guy, I think the other pieces are there. You're going to have to, you know, Tim Ream's not going to be around next World yeah. Cup, and he played great. Yeah. St. Louis is 35 years old. 29 yeah. years old. Uh, oh, I thought he was no, 35. He's, he's 29. Who told me he was 35? I don't know. Well, I, all right, 29. Disregard. But, uh, sorry but anyway, to age you, sir. 33. I mean, I guess he could be around, but, yeah. you know, and, and think about yeah. this. Tim Ream wasn't a guy that was really in the picture for much of, I mean, he was around for qualifying things like that, but like who thought Tim Ream was going to be one of the stars of the U S for the world cup. Yeah. And you know, maybe if injuries don't happen, he's yeah, not exactly. But so like, there's a lot's going to change between now and four years from now. Obviously that core group is going to be there. Yeah. I mean, and I, th- I think you just look at the center back position, a 10, if you know, if Greg wants to get to his, you know, traditional four, two, three, one, and, and then a nine. I mean, because yeah. you look at the – and then met perhaps on the wing there, yeah. you know, but, but Pulisic is still going to be there. You look at a combination of Tyler Adams and Yunus Musa, absolutely can. But Kenny's not going Dest, anywhere. Yep, I mean – How yeah. does it help or hinder us the fact that we don't have to qualify for the next World yeah, Cup? Yeah, that's – I was talking to a buddy about this today because he was texting me, like, what is happening? How does this work for the next World Cup? And, look, they will play – Gold in, cups and yes. so forth, and it, there's talk about the Confederations Cup. Uh, the what's the South American Cup? Uh, um, Copa America. Yeah, yeah. talk about oh, Copa that America. Would be, that would be great. Being here, that would be awesome. It, yeah. yeah, being yeah. hosted in these countries that they would then take. That hasn't been confirmed, but there's talks about that. 
but they will play a lot of friendlies. Exactly. That's what I was going to say is that they're going to play a lot of friendlies. So be prepared sure. that for the next four years, you might see maybe one a year in oh, Columbus. Maybe. Yeah. I thought you meant one a year. And so just does no, 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 no. just get one position then to qualify? So I don't it, know. I thought they got two. Because it's expanding. I don't yeah. know what CONCACAF's oh, new. Oh, sorry. I didn't know if you were talking about Copa America. Copa no. America, I believe they get two from outside of Yeah, well, mm-hmm. we'll South see America. once they all get con- confirmed what they're going to do. Well, they would want to have Mexico in that tournament as well, by yeah. the way. Yeah. There's another disappointment there for Canada uh, too. Mexico, Canada, yeah, <laughs> Canada. I really had much higher expectations for them. I think that perhaps the stage got a little big for mm-hmm. a country that you guys weren't even alive. I think when I remember seeing them in the '86 <laughs> World Cup, or at least reading about it, since all the games weren't on back in the olden days. Oh yeah, but, I, uh, I remember watching '86 Mexico on tape delay. Really? Oh yeah. Did you see the hand of God goal? I didn't. I did yeah, not see watch it live. that. I've seen the hand of God. I have seen the hand of God. The hand I didn't of God watch it goal. Live, I was watching yeah. that game live on NBC. It was something else. Yeah. Oh. See, there is there is some benefit to being old as dirt. <laughs> you know, we've seen a few. Oh. We've seen a few things. I mean, you look, kids. Canada got their goal. Okay, Canada. World Cup goal scorers, yeah. so they I, got that. Going I just for really, them. yeah. I I didn't know that I really expected them to necessarily get out of group, but I, I did expect them to show better. They have some talent on that team, yeah. And, and I own, think better they, days ahead for them. Yes, I was just gonna say, yeah. like the U.S., that's a pretty young team. They too, to your point, Bart, are still looking for that true number nine. Like, who's gonna put the ball in the back of the net consistently? Um, but they've got, I mean, again, talking about MLS benefiting countries around here, it's helped Canada. I mean, obviously, they've got MLS teams in Canada, but just the fact that you've got I mean, guys they've playing. got their number nine for 2030, we, or 2028, right? Yeah. We all know. Yeah, Jason Russell Rowe. Yes. I mean, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and if you really want to look at the three hosts of the next World Cup, the, the nation that has the the most problems is Mexico. Mm-hmm. They they El could tree. they couldn't wait to send another manager packing. I mean that's the most insecure job in the world. I think it's their showing was definitely not up to, to snuff, and it will be very interesting to see where they go from here. Well, and that's another thing. And I've talked to Pat or to Sam and Patrick Goldan about this. Like I think there's this perception with national teams. It's like you get done with the World Cup cycle. You move on from your manager unless you win the World Cup. And like, unless there's a reason for that, whether it's failure to do is what you expected, whether it's the locker room is tuned a guy out, like imagine that thought at the club level or really on any sport at any point, like four years for a coach. I mean, I, I don't know what the average, but like imagine telling Bill Belichick, like, eh, it's been four years after he was I at the Patriots. To tell him that, and just I would like love to tell you know, him I mean, it's just like, and if you look <laughs> at it, the Browns <laughs> tell him that once. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it, I mean, if you really look across, yeah, a lot of countries do move on from their coach because they don't do well at the World Cup. But there are countries that have kept continuity and done. You know, going back to it's your pressure. U.S. question, it's pressure. Some countries you absolutely just cannot. You have to make a change just because of the the political pressure and the the people just. Ah, when I also know. think we need we to include in this, like we don't know what Greg wants to do, and you know he or was a guy. Or if he's being contacted by other teams well, or clubs or national point. teams for that matter. I talked to him for a story I did on 
Sebastian Berhalter, and Aiden Morris early in 2020. COVID had started, but right around MLS's back time. And he told me at the time, which done with the interview, and he told me, like, I just asked how things were. And he was like, you know, the biggest adjustment was not being able to work with the players day to day because that's what he loves to do the most. And he's like, so I got into a point where I was traveling and watching film and like that was filling my time and that was enjoyable. And then COVID happens and you can't travel and you can't, you're watching the same film over and over again, trying to evaluate guys that way and looking for, you know, guys hiding under rocks and things like that. So I just, you know, it could be the case where Greg is like, I'd like to get back into club coaching where I can hands on guys all the time. And, you know, so we'll see. I, I'll be very interested to see what, what's next for Greg Berhalter regardless. Well, uh, do we have a pick for the World Cup final real quick before we move on to a new manager for the crew? Messy, messy, messy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Argentina, especially yeah, after our, our, the Atlas Lions uh, bowed out today. It's all for Argentina. Huh. I don't know. I think I'm going to I think I'm going to go the I don't know what the line is or anything, but I th- I think I'm going to uh, pick France just to be Le <laughs> Although we do now have some, you know, f- like de facto French allegiances. You're trying not to say coach. French connection, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just think the story is too well written oh, for yeah. Messi here. Like you know, maybe he loses again in the final, but yeah. But this is not MLS. Are we going to see him playing in Miami next season? Is that a done I think, deal? I think it would be the next season if it does happen. Okay, right? I think twenty-four. Yeah, yeah. I think when his contract has, runs out, he still has one more year with you. That's good. I got but, some more time to find my my youngest daughter loves Messi, and she's already like, we have to get tickets. I'm like, oh my goodness, oh, that's yeah. Look, it would not surprise me. That I mean, it makes sense. He's done everything, especially if he wins a World Cup. Not that that would change anything, yeah. but he would have literally done everything he could have done in Europe um, and in the world. And so coming to MLS like at 35, or he's 35 now, so 36, 35 37. Um, but I understand yeah. the Saudi Arabian League's looking for players too. Well, they might have uh, Messi, Messi's former arch nemesis yeah. coming to town in my, <laughs> my old boy Cristiano Ronaldo. Like a billion Ronaldo. dollars why, why a year, can, whatever why, it is. Why isn't Cristiano Ronaldo considering playing in MLS? I, Gee, don't, I, know. I don't know. Because he wants to win championships. <laughs> I don't know. Also, which MLS team is going to give him $200 million? Well, I, I think there's not some Las other... Vegas. I can tell you that. Well, he could play in Vancouver and only yeah, play home yeah, games. Yeah, there you go. Then, then it'd be okay, right? <laughs> all right. Well, uh, all right. You guys, uh, Sam, you didn't make a pick. Argentina or France? Oh, Argentina. All right. So I'll be the lone wolf here and we'll see what happens. Does that kick but, off at 2 on Saturday? No, 10 a.m. 10 a.m.? I will yeah, say that early wow, okay. if, if France wins back-to-back, it'll be the first time since Brazil did it in, what, 40 years or something like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be remarkable, and Mbappe's already on a fast track to being the world's best player. Yeah, uh, yeah. you win another one and you play well. He, he viva, I, viva. He played pretty well today um, or on Wednesday in the semifinal. And think about this: France is playing without Pogba, without yeah. Conte, yeah. and without Benzema, who just yeah. won the Ballon d'Or. Yeah, that yeah I mean, coming even better. Yeah, yeah two I, uh, great players and Pogba. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of yeah, former United I mean, players who yeah. wasted parts of their you, you forget that. Coming just before the World Cup started, I was reading the list of their problems. I'm like, oh, this doesn't seem good. But they've shown up and, and shown well. Ironically, so. I heard this on the radio. Morocco, a French-speaking mm-hmm. at least, I, I assume there's some connection there. The, they, 50 years of colonization. Right. <laughs> yeah. They... Fought, they saw what France did 
because France was in a pretty bad place after 98. You know, they, they had not done well at World Cups and they built a facility in, I forget where it is in France. It's kind of middle of nowhere for the national team. And like kids now live there and develop and it's this whole thing. Morocco took like the blueprint, like the literal blueprint of the building and built B L E U. And built the same thing and have tried to like emulate this. What yeah. a run. We haven't even mentioned that. Yeah. We haven't even mentioned that. I mean, what a run there. First African Morocco, nation to yeah. make that far. And Impressive. I mean they, they played defensively. But it was still like they had to. It yeah. was enjoyable. It wasn't yeah. just oh, yeah. eleven guys behind the ball. Hope we, you know, Croatia kind of plays that way. And like Croatia was a very cool story four years ago. Mm-hmm. But eventually, it just kind of it was like Greece when they won the Euros. Like it wasn't yeah. fun to watch. Right. Like they just made games ugly. And yeah. like congrats for winning the Euros. That was awesome for a, com- a country mm-hmm. like Greece. But like Morocco's fun. They've got some attacking guys. You know. mm-hmm. Keep an eye on some of those players and where they end up because a lot of them, a lot of them, if if not all of them, play in Europe right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's not super surprising. Some are going to be, yeah. You know, some guys are are going to get paid. Yeah, get paid after this. Um, Absolutely. And and it is awesome to see you know celebrating after the games. Uh, You know, obviously they 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 they, you know they're kind of the de facto home team after Qatar and after Saudi Arabia were in uh, you know eliminated having all of Africa and all the Arab world behind them. But to see the, you know, the way I loved after, you know, that last, the quarterfinal game, just the way they're lifting up the coach, like he's yeah, the trophy. Him up I mean, yeah. he's just, just wonderful. The one last thing I would like to say before we move on is I wish that there were more, or I wish there was more, a more centralized place in Columbus to watch the world cup, especially for us games. And I know there's been multiple places. I know, we, we, they've done stuff here at Saucy, um, Endeavor, Zaftig, the stadium, Land Grant, like all those places have, have done stuff. I just wish you see on TV some of the mm-hmm. countries that have, and obviously, you know, a full country, yeah. you can't do that. But like outs, outside would be better in the summer, obviously. But I think back to what the crew did in 2002. Yeah, and like, like, like a giant white tent. Or yeah, is that what right. you're talking about? And like, I know a very, this stuff, very hot giant white tent. Yeah. I know this stuff down at the stadium. I've talked, to, I didn't go down there. <laughs> But I, some people, I got mixed reviews on it at the new stadium. I just, obviously, the next World Cup is going to be different because it's going to be here. But I, it would be nice to have like the Columbus a, Commons is just the duh. Yes, that would be awesome. You know, something where everybody like which, which is where they did the watch party for the Women's World Cup final, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. it was yeah, like yeah. the place was packed. Yeah, yeah. So if somebody out there wants to get on organizing this for because I've spent pretty much the last month at a bar. <laughs> Pretty much every day that I wasn't traveling for work. Uh-huh. And I think there's one day that in the World Cup that I haven't had a beer, including this one right here. Uh-huh. But I just wish there was one more centralized place where we could just pack it, make it feel like a you know, you're in the stadium type like of thing. Like the the cutaways during the games. Yeah, exactly. They they go to because, Argentina, they go to Morocco and, and there's thousands of people outside well, even in Oxford, Ohio. Oh yeah. They packed uh uh, the uh, bar Brick. Brick Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And nice. like they showed that during the the Netherlands game. I just think there's been too many places, and I wish everybody could, you know, if we could do something like the Columbus Commons and just have people set up their beer tents mm-hmm. or whatever, you can go buy your beers. Well, and, we'll be back in the summer again. That yeah, certainly and that, that would help. But uh, like I watched the England game with Sam, and it was, I mean, we were at Zaftig, and it was packed, and that was a lot of it fun. It was very packed. But just I know so many people that I was like, shit, I wish I. I wish I was watching so and so and so and you know like the kickoff times were yeah, were I mean, not terribly convenient either right. for 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 people so 
Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely something to think about as the next World Cup approaches in four years. We're going to take a break because uh, Murph needs to go to the bar. <laughs> His cup not runneth over. It's really Bart. When we come back, we have a new manager of the crew. We have some uh, players leaving, and we'll speculate on the roster. We'll uh, try to speculate on what his uh, philosophies and tactics might be coming into the new season. That's coming up here in a moment. From Saucy on the Massive Report Podcast. We are back in the Massport podcast here at uh, Saucy Brew Works in uh, Harrison West, Third Michigan. Third Michigan, right? Yes. Yep. Ugh. That's the only problem here. We're on Michigan Street. Oh, well. uh, so you guys have been drilling me on the pronunciation of our new manager. I want I want to hear it one more time and make sure that I get it right because I've heard so many. Mm-hmm. Caleb Port. Oh no. Sorry. <laughs> 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 Wilfried, Wilfried, Nancy. Yeah, I he's, don't think he would begrudge you if you called him Wilfred Nancy. Well, I, I wouldn't Americans. want to do that if that's not the way they pronounce it. The number one thing I'm wondering is he leaves with success mm-hmm. in uh, a place where that had been in short supply, Montreal, and its various name incarnations. He leaves. Having had, I think, the best season in their history, correct? I, it probably, like, at least in their, their modern history. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, 20 wins. Yeah, they did very well. Second he, in the East. Yeah. Uh, and really second in Supporter Shield because they, I believe, Philly tied with LAFs. Or the, maybe they tied with, I don't know. They were very did, close. Did they want him to leave? He had a year left on his contract. So, Was this like, you know, quit or or be fired? So here were the reports that came out that there before he about the time that it was first, I think Tom Bogart put out that you know, he would be a candidate, which yeah, he was second in coach of the year voting. Of sure. course he was going to be a candidate for the crew. Um that there was some issues between him and the front office, him and ownership, whatever the case may be. Look, if your name circulates with the job after your best year, again, ever, I think that could obviously create some some tension between those people. Um, he was not asked, nor did he address that in his introductory press conference. And there were a lot of things that he, I still would like to, to talk to him about and will. But um, I don't think it ended super positively there. But I also think that there was, I know, the opportunity to come to Columbus. Mm-hmm. You look at what they've built down the street, downtown. You built. look at what they've built at the training center yeah. at the old stadium. Look, Montreal plays in two separate stadiums. One of them is a football stadium on turf, kind of. I mean, it's a nice stadium from everything I've understood. But their facility, I mean, most of MLS does not have great facilities, especially not brand new clubs so look you've got a stadium that's brand new you've got maybe the best training facilities up there with the best training facilities in mls multiple people have talked about how it's on par with with places in europe not the size but like what you the access you have there um to stuff and then the resources you have to go out and get players and 
say what you will about the Haslam's. They've been willing to sign a Lucas Celerion, a Cucho Hernandez, mm-hmm. um, you know, other guys that maybe aren't that level of expense. Montreal wasn't wasn't doing. They did have some some players, guys on loan, and guys that had been there kind of towards the end of their careers. Um, but you know, this is this was an attractive job because of that and the roster. You know, the the roster is still in the eyes of the front office, and I've written this several times. In the in the MLS Cup window, you know we we know what happened the last two years. It wasn't great, but there's still players that, and we'll get it to the roster. But coaches were interested in this job because of what was already here, and then what they could build with everything around it. So, what do we know about his tactical philosophy? Because we talked ad nauseum the last few years about our frustrations with finishing games and the approach to finishing games, playing with a lead. Certainly was a problem for Columbus Crew under Caleb Porter. What do we know about his tactics? About his overall philosophy? It's, I mean, you see, uh, uh, and, and I'll let kind of you know Smurf get into this, uh, who can talk to a little bit more. But one of the things that's going to be you know a departure, at least potentially, is that he's uh, not been a guy who who does that you know four two three one or four three three that we've seen with Caleb Porter and, and with uh, Greg Berhalter prior to him. Uh, he's played with three in the back most of the time with Montreal. Interesting. Um, uh, so a three four, I think two one. Um, you look at you know with the departure of Pedro Santos that we'll get into there a little bit you know more. You know suddenly okay that that might be something where you've got the personnel to do that then you can slide. You know, someone else there up on, on the outside. So uh, uh, he's uh, the one thing and I think I read the same article that you read, Brian, is, you know, him describing his, uh, you know, eagerness and, and, and comparing it to two things, chess and boxing, mm-hmm. you know, being calculated and measured. What out an interesting then, comparison. I love right. it. I mean, I, I literally sent our our SB Nation guy in Montreal. I sent him the audio and was like, can you tell me what he's saying here? Because I was like. I don't know if I don't want to get this wrong and I know I don't I've never heard anyone compare soccer you know like it was just such a such a different way of talking about the sport than I've ever chess heard boxing before. clearly I think is, a Wu-Tang is the time is like <laughs> time has come for that Wu-Tang right? baby so <laughs> it's but the thing that that excites me most more even you know maybe than the philosophy is what he's been able to show in you know developing young players and I look specifically at Jordi Mihailovic, because that's a guy who's, you know, this mercurial talent in in, in Chicago. You know, he was the guy that, that that burnt the crew, I think, pretty much any time that we'd play him. He was in the national team yeah, radar oh, at yeah. one point. And especially by the end of this year, but but during his well, time in Chicago. early in Chicago before he... But then everything comes out about, oh, he's... You know, he's a bad, bad, uh, you know, personality, all of these issues uh, that, you know, they, they threw him over the bus. He, he goes to, you know, Montreal to, to, you know, his persona non grata. And he was an MVP, had 16 assists last year um, in his first year under Nancy um, among the MLS leaders. And he was putting together an MVP calendar caliber season until he got injured this year. Yep. I mean, so you think of guys like... Alexandru Matan or Yaya Boa, um, uh, who who Caleb Porter clearly was not able to get the most out of, but who obviously have that offensive talent, um, and and I think you know this is that's one of those exciting things about Nancy. So to to go back to the boxing and chess thing, the way he kind of framed that, and we'll have an article whenever I finish it 
on Master Report soon, hopefully. <laughs> um, about it's the holidays. D- Sorry. DM him and at him. Yeah, uh, he'll finish fine. it faster. That's fine. Um, no, I won't. But uh, <laughs> basically, the boxing part of it is the intensity mm-hmm. that it takes to box, and he demands that from his players. And I think as crew fans, in the two games they played last year, you saw that. Now, you, Brian, you mentioned the late game situations that the crew had. Two of those games were against Montreal. Mm-hmm. One here in Columbus after the the delay because of weather when mm. when they scored. Yeah. Kai scores Twice. the goal, yeah. and uh, then up in Montreal when Diaz gets the red card and Caleb goes to three in the back and Montreal scores and comes back and, and gets the result. Oh. Um, yeah. But the intensity that he wants out of his team, it, it seems to be the first thing he demands. And then the chess part of it is the soccer part, you know, the tactical part of it. And I think it will be very interesting to see what he wants to do with this roster because I asked him at that press conference or after the press conference, you know, are you committed to this this formation, this three in the back? And he said that they initially went to that in Montreal. Now, just some backstory for people that haven't read about it. He was through the Montreal. He came up. He played ten years in France professionally. Was in the Montreal Academy for quite some time at various. Uh, Started with like fourteen year olds. Yes, right? and then was Thierry Henry's assist. Well, was assistant under a number of coaches there, but ended with Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry leaves before the twenty twenty one season. 2020? 2021? 2021. Yeah. And they promote him to head coach. Um, So he said that they early on played four in the back, similar to what the crew have done, 4-3-2-1. And they they had an injury to players. They shifted to that three, five in the back, whatever you want to call it, and it worked. And so they stuck with that because it was working. So while I think that that's been kind of ascribed to him as the formation that he uses – I don't know if he's necessarily stuck on that. Okay. And if you look at the current roster, the crew have three center backs yeah. on the right. You know, it's yeah. it's Josh Williams, it's Jonathan Mensa, and it's uh, Milos Degnek. And obviously, they can add more. I think this roster is going. You know, Tim Bezbachenko told me part of the reason for some of the decisions that we're going to discuss in terms of letting guys go was to create flexibility for at that point the next head coach. I use that in quotes because Nancy quickly became the guy. So they want him to be able to add to this roster. Um, I think it will be very interesting to see how he... You'll be able to tell more of how they're going to line up based on the additions they've made. So I know before we started tonight, I wanted to rough out a starting 11 for the first game, but it almost sounds to me like that's just kind of a silly exercise. Well, no, I mean, I think we could still, based on what we know... Okay, what today on... Okay, let's, let's let's review who is gone. Just because I'm sure that with everything going on in the world, people might have missed. Who's out? Well, the big names, Derek Etienne, who has subsequently, whose contract was up, subsequently signed with Atlanta. Atlanta. Pedro Santos, contract up, signed with D.C., and Artur. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, everything going on over there. Um, Artur was traded to Houston, Right. Not Austin, just yep. for the record. Yep, uh, Austin is where Jossie is, and yeah, everyone Jossie's else in. who used to play. Yeah, for as somebody, I, I think it was Neil, South Neil Sika said it to me the other day. Uh, Columbus South by Southwest is yeah, yeah, that's which good. I think is awesome. Yeah, I like that. Uh, yeah. And frankly, no surprise there. Why would you not go play for Josh Wolf if you are Jossie Zardes? All he needs, all he needs now is Justin Miram to root to and Will Trap and, and Will Trap and actually uh, Steve Clark. 
oh, to, yes, to recompile the 2015 <laughs> MLS final team. But so those are the three big name guys. Um, since we're talking about center backs, I think it's worth pointing out Crew Two re- did not re up Philip Quinton, who was the team's top draft pick last year, and played with Crew Two throughout the whole season. They are still in negotiations with him to bring him back on a Crew 2 contract. But that's a guy that when they drafted him, they thought could be a guy who could work his way in. You've got those three center backs. You know, Jalilani Baba's gone. I believe he's retired. I don't know if I've seen that, but I know he was already working on a post-career in broadcast journalism even while he was here. So, yeah, you're, you're down one central midfielder, which you got a lot of young guys in that spot and Darlington Magby. You're down Pedro Santos, which is your versatility guy. Um, and you're down Derek Etienne, who was one of your top scorers last year. And I wrote, you can read more about this on Mass Report. This was a few weeks ago. The, uh, From my understanding, the reasons for this were, A, the flexibility with the cap. And Etienne specifically was a guy who had a career year, was going to demand more money than they were willing to pay. And I will be very interested to see. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, I, I think, you know, the cap flexibility, but when you look at that, especially the, the Derek Etienne, you know, letting him go is look at the m- amount of money that he has tied up that Tim Bezbachenko, and this is the, the criticism I think that should be there at people in the wing position, because you look at the guys that are remaining with that Kevin yeah. Molino, Alexandra Matan, Yayubo, who none of them have produced anywhere near collectively what Derek Etienne Jr. did last year in their entire MLS tenures yeah. with Columbus Crew. So the, the the flexibility, I think, is a little bit of a cop-out. It's that you dropped a lot of money in, in, in guaranteed money in other players at this position who have not panned yes. out. And yes. it'll be at least not yet. You don't, yeah. want that, you don't want to necessarily think that that's yeah. dead well, money. Yeah. But, we'll but it might here, be. Here's the issue. Yes, you got it wrong, and, and they should be held accountable for that. But MLS has a rule. You can only cut one player a season, a calendar year, basically. Mm-hmm. So in other sports, uh, guy doesn't work out. You know, you pay him whatever. You agree to the D, you know. They can't do that. So, yes, these you're mm-hmm. right in that they got those signings wrong. But when a contract is up, it, yeah. that, it's like, well, yeah, you contract's got- up. You've got to do what you got. Now, yeah. Yeah. who knows, you know, if if things work out differently, does Etienne get the same amount of time to, yeah. to show, you know, you never know. We could, what ifs and whatnot. And he's we'll, a guy they also got for nothing, right. you know. And we'll yeah. see what Etienne does. I mean, I think Atlanta makes a lot of sense for him with the way they play. But, you know, last year could have been the best year of Etienne's career when yeah. it's all said and done. Yeah. And, and maybe it looks as a smart move. Pedro, I think it's very similar to Harrison Awful. They want to be ahead of the drop-off yeah. in your age. And yeah. while I think Pedro could still have a couple more years, um, you know, they the don't mount the beating that he takes, you know, yeah. that's going to wear a guy out. Yeah. And, and he's, he was a very... about what they think about Sands, too? I think, I think the fact that he played well does. Mm-hmm. Look, I think he's still... He's, if you go into the season, if you're playing four in the back, and you go into the season with him as your only left back, I don't think you feel great about it. Mm-hmm. He's not great at one you know if he were a really good defender but just couldn't get forward then like okay we'll work on that but i think he still needs to work on a little you know it was his rookie year and he wasn't Mm -hmm. expected to play a lot and he played more than they expected 
The Artur one, I think people were surprised about, but I was told that his end of season physical on his hip did not come back well, and oh. they are not sure how much longer he will be able to play. Oh. So they that's actually, a shame. They actually got if, if if that is indeed the case, and he doesn't go to Houston and plays ten more years, you know, where whatever the case may be. If if this is really an issue, and obviously Houston had to do a physical with him too to get the deal done, they. You know, this could be a, a solid return. You know, they got a decent, I think, three hundred thousand in allocation money or whatever. Three fifty, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that that may end up being a smart move. All three of these have the chance to be. You look like a genius. You got out of potentially a bad contract with Etienne. You move on before Pedro falls off a cliff. You know, vice whatever it is. They could also come back and and you know, hit you in the face. Yeah, and, I, and I'd say just at that center bat or center midfield position, that is one of the areas. Of depth for this organization. 100%. You look at it at you know Crew Two, Isaiah Parente, who was all MLS two or, or MLS next team. Um, you look at Swadowski, who's been I mean, I think very strong, and I, I he's my I think the you know favorite player on Crew Two in terms of you know to watch. And you look Even at what the first he could add. Yeah, he exactly. Played, I mean, when he showed and played in that first team, it, it was like the platonic will trap what you thought you were hope and what you did get from Will Trap on his best days. And so I, I, I think he's got a very bright future. And so both of them being potentially in the first team along with Aiden Morris, who's gonna be what, just twenty two now. I think that's you know, a good good position to be in and good depth at that position. You wanna give these kids a chance to play at that MLS level. And you're playing with the guy in Darlington Nagby who I've been critic I was critical of a lot last year, but He's still one of the best midfielders in MLS yeah. that you're going to learn to from. Not learn from anyone better. Right, yeah. exactly. And, you know, I think Nancy's experience working with young guys, you know, they're, I would be surprised if they don't use more. You know, Caleb was a win now. I want to bring in guys that are going to help me do that. And, you know, I don't, I think that was sometimes held against him when he didn't play the young kids, but like, your job is to win and not his job wasn't to develop young guys other than to help him win. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think with Nancy, yes, he's wants to win now because they have the roster potentially to do it. But I also think he will be more willing to play some of these young guys and, and get them more experience with the first team. And so you may see more of the guys you mentioned, Bart, more Jason Russell Rowe. They, they only have one striker other than him on the roster you know, uh, Mo Farsi, guys like that. that Especially yeah. if you're looking at, you know, him potentially playing a, you yeah. know, three in the back and three, four, like that's where Mo Farsi, you know, that that's right there for. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I do want to say, um, and I don't want to be a negative Nancy, so <laughs> negative <I> mean, <laughs> Nancy. Uh, is I talked to somebody who within the MLS circles who I respect a lot that reached out to me after the the hiring and was surprised that you go from Caleb Porter to a guy who only had two seasons of experience at the MLS level. One of them was not very good. I mean, they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. And you know, the point wasn't that Nancy isn't a good coach, but that, you know, if, if you really think this is your chance to win a few MLS cups, you know, this person said, why not go to Europe and hire a guy, you know, uh, a, 
I don't know if you'd get a, a big name guy over there, but like a guy with some legitimate experience or the name that they threw out was Tata Martino. We were talking about Mexico earlier. Yeah. I mean, maybe you didn't want to wait to see how Mexico did, but like somebody like that, that would relate with Lucas and Cucho, your two best players and have some more experience. And the way it was put to me was look, if you want a young up and coming French coach who plays this way, you had one in the building already with Laurent Courtois. Uh, and like, obviously he doesn't have, but I, I think that was a little bit of hyperbole there, but I, I hope at some point to sit down with Tim Bezbachenko and kind of talk through this hiring process, because I would be really interested, not to say that Nancy wasn't always their guy, because again, as we said earlier, he was a guy named very early on. And I think if you talk to people, I've talked to a few players, both currently on the crew and not that have said, He's, you know, everything they've heard or any interactions they've had with him coaching or just personally, it's been great. You know, the, he seems like a guy who is going to be a rock star someday. But if you're the crew and you think this is the win now window, why didn't you go for, you know, the, the bigger name? So, again, I I think that this is – there, there are a little bit of questions just because there's only been two years of, of actual sample size. But, again – most people you talk to, pretty much everyone I've talked to, has said good things about him. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, you look at some of the other teams in MLS that want to win, and they've gone out and hired some some bigger name coaches. Now, LAFC, they they lost Bob Brad, or yeah, Bob Bradley. They brought in Steve Chirundolo, and that roster is really good, so it's probably hard to yeah, not do you, well. You there, also but, brought in like you know yeah, three somehow three, you had seventeen DPs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I just I think it's worth pointing out because I thought that was really interesting that, you know, and, and the person I talked to who I think has some knowledge of this said, like, they thought Tata might have considered Columbus because of all those things we mentioned earlier well, about, you know, now, obviously, you know, does he want to coach right after Mexico? And you know, I don't know. But that has he name, been officially fired yet? He, he was done after okay. yeah, his contract is up, I believe. And um, so, you know, but I don't know. It's just something to consider. Hopefully, obviously, he goes out and, you know, he's here for the next 15 years and, and they do great. And I think, you know, again, talking to the guy, I really liked what he had to say. I think he's really bright. Um, he talked about, you know, tactical flexibility, which I think we saw more of Caleb do at the end. Same with Greg. Like, I think both those guys very much want to play this one way. And, and, and Nancy wants to play possession. Like, let's not – this isn't a drastic shift – in any stretch. They wanted a guy who fit with what they want to do. Mm. And I think that'll be the, the case going forward. But okay. um, he he can do it in different ways. And I think he's also very much a player's coach. And no disrespect to Caleb here, but he's more of a kind of grind you down type of guy. And that works with a lot of guys. And obviously, they got there in 2020. You know, they, they came close to the playoffs last year, but just didn't get where they needed to. And I think you've seen that with Caleb throughout his career is, is eventually it kind of runs its course. Mm -hmm. Nancy is a guy who I think, similar to Greg in the sense that like players seem to really like him. And again, the fact that he wants to play young guys, that appeals to the younger generation so you keep building. And yeah. so it, I think it's going to be very interesting. And, yeah. and I think maybe if, if it doesn't click immediately, you know, week three in the season – I hope it's not, oh, God, they made the wrong decision. There should be time given to, sure. especially if they end up bringing in 
you know, some a handful of new guys here in the next few weeks. Well, let, let's just assume that they will. What's the timetable for that? When can we start seeing some some moves to bring people in? Soon. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, I was say train preseason starts late January, yeah, yeah, early I mean, February. The, so we know we don't have a schedule yet. But Not a we lot know of time because of LA and LAFC are playing late February at the Rose Bowl. And I think that's supposed to be opening weekend of MLS. So, yeah, I mean, that would make sense. Then training camp would be going begin. back to opening the season in February, baby. We're back. Yeah, yeah. We'll see how many home games the crew Ooh. have in late February, early Five. March. Well, yeah, usually, yeah, yeah. It's you from between and then between you February twenty fifth and yeah. March twenty fifth. There'll be five home mm-hmm. games. Um, <laughs> but no, I do expect. Look again. It it's hard to say what additions they will do because it's hard to say how he wants to line up. But I do expect, you know, I don't expect anything huge. You've got your DPs. You've got, you know, your, your, your well, core Is there players. a chance to buy down someone like a Nagby? I assume I would, if you were going to buy anyone down, I think Jonathan is probably the most likely okay. candidate just on his budget. Because he, A, doesn't have any sort of tra- transfer involved. Nagby, I, you maybe still owe something mm-hmm. to it. I'm not sure, but... Potentially, but I think if they were to do that, it would probably be summer yeah. again, and you you kind of evaluate what you've got. Um, but look, again, if he wants to play three in the back, I think you need another center back mm. because as much as we all love Josh Williams, I don't think he can make it through a full MLS season at this point in his career. And I think you you need a guy, even if you think Josh is your third, you know, one of those three, you need a guy, be it a veteran guy who can play, whatever the case may be, you need you need another guy there. Yeah, even um, though you've got. World Cup knockout game scar- starter Milos. Yeah, Jagnack. I mean, there. you need you need the backup. You know, if yeah. Josh is your third center back, true. Yes, yes. Um, and then you know, if you're, you're going to need pl- some wingers too. If, yeah, I was going to say if yeah. you're going to play. Well, so it'll be interesting if you play with wing backs. How does that look? Because this team, you know, what do you do with the Luis Diaz? Are you asking him to play right wing back? Mm-hmm. Because that role seems to me to fit really well with what Marrera does. Mm-hmm. And then the number Clearly. two in my yeah. mind would be Mo Farsi, Mo Farsi yeah. who has played that for, for Laura yeah. and looked yeah. really good doing yeah. it. And, I mean, Diaz is not happy anyway. Well, I mean, he was happy at the end of the season, but I just think it's, you know, you've got that, you've got Yao, you've got Matan. Now the, here's the other thing. If, if you again go play that, that formation, uh, Nancy did not play with a true number 10. He played with two guys kind of in behind the striker. Now, Lucas can be kind of a second forward, but he's always been a guy who likes to pull off the back line and, you know, pick up the ball and run with it and whatnot. So, you know, how does he fit into that? And then who is the, you know, is it Molino? Are you trusting him to be healthy? Do you think, can he get something out of Matan? Can you convert Yaoyaboa from a winger who didn't perform enough last year to maybe a more central attacking midfielder off of Lucas type. Well, at least at least Yao doesn't have to fight with being in the doghouse right off the bat. Sure. I mean, he gets Absolutely. established to make a new impression. Yeah. Yeah. And altogether. the same with Matan. With, and the same with Matan. Yeah, it's just the way the current roster's set up just because of how long they've played basically that 4-2-3-1. There's not those obvious answers. And clearly left wing back, I don't know what you do, you know, without Pedro because Will, you know, talking about him, Sands like he's not really I think he's very much more of a, a traditional fullback and you don't really have a left winger that you can convert right now because that was Pedro. 
So, you know, it's to be, where that to Pedro, be determined. Yeah, the letting Pedro go kind of, and maybe, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but yes, you want to be, you'd rather catch him on the other end, but it's not like his salary, you know, was, he, he wasn't a TAM player or anything like that. And the glue, that that's the one that I have the hardest time reckoning with. Well, and here's the thing with Pedro is, Pedro was a big locker room guy. Yep. And not that, I think this team has enough of those guys. You've got Josh, you've got Jonathan, you've got plenty, plenty of guys, Darlington, those guys that this locker room is not an issue. But you know, that's a guy who, who did more than just his on-the-field stuff for this team. Um, and unfortunately, he's going to be DC. You know, he, as a, you know, for the the old school crew fans out there, that, unfortunately that was the first for us rivalry. and for him. Well, yeah, yeah. that too. Yeah, but, uh, but you know, well, and if it, he goes the the you know Federico Iguain route, he will be a Miami player in about <laughs> nine months. Well, I don't know and if his brother is going to. Yeah, that's there. true. Uh, so yeah, I think pay attention to the what they add because I think given the positions. That will tell you a lot about how it's going to look. And I think, you know, if people thought Caleb didn't give out a lot of information, like preseason and stuff like that, from my understanding, Nancy is very, and maybe this was Montreal, maybe this wasn't him, but I was talking to Neil Seek about this the other day. Very keeps things closed. Like apparently even the national, when they did national games, they, they didn't get the roster, the lineup until the lineup was released. <laughs> or they, they absolutely had to to make a graphic for national TV. Right. So, like, I don't know how much we'll know about this team yeah. until opening day. Okay. To be Fair enough. Well, it'll be an adventure. Big change. And uh, I assume some players coming in the door in the next few weeks. And we'll we'll find out. And we'll also find out, when are we getting the schedule? Should be soon. Um, so they don't have a date for this? They, they have not announced anything. I was have told, you met MLS? <laughs> yeah. said, set a date, make a big deal out of it. I, was, I, I assume they will. I was told by crew communications department before the Nancy announcement that they were expecting it within a month. So okay. now we're a week past that. And so we'll Gee, many crazy. I mean, the, the season starts in two months. Oh, yeah. I mean, It'd be but, nice if they could sell tickets. Yeah, It'll be great, but you know they've got to also, you know, consider they, exactly. They don't even have broadcasters' whims to worry about with scheduling because they get to do it all themselves. And yeah. I think it's one of those kind you of know, the dog catching the you know the fire truck. Yeah. Finally, it's like oh wait. You know who would like to know about the broadcasters that are going to be calling the game? The broadcasters, the broadcasters that yeah. are going. Have to they hired? Is is has Neil been hired? What's going on no. here? Uh, so they have. All they've done is t- tell, told people that aren't going to be doing it no, which unfortunately includes Jordan Angeli, uh, Brett yeah. Hillbrandt, and uh, former crew employee, former FC Cincinnati employee, Alex Steck. Neil, and who, I, again, I talked to just a few days ago, has not heard anything yet, so that That's may be really a good sign for Neil. Um, you know, he's... He he's got other things that he's done. He's worked for Pac-12 Network. Mm-hmm. I know. Neil's, uh, I Neil's just calling basketball like last week. Yeah. yeah, he's done. He's been doing a lot of Ohio State hockey, a lot of stuff. I know. Neil's going to be just fine, but <coughs> Neil's been in this game for so long that it would be unfortunate to see. It's unfortunate to see any any of these people. I don't sure. like the way they've done this. Yeah, it's that's. I don't I, think that's, it's going to be better garbage. for fans. I do not think it is going no. to like. I think we are going to I'll be just listen to Chris Dorn on the radio and saying, 
it was awesome. Like, like just wishing, wistfully wishing for trying to find Bally Sports alternate on on the TV with the way that they're going with what they're charging for this Apple TV. Yeah, it's stuff. it's it's like I how mean, much is it again? It's like twenty dollars a month, right? I think it's it's a hundred dollars for the it's one hundred and twenty dollars for the year. Yeah, for the MLS part of it, and I think Apple TV Plus is it's. So then you already have to seven, subscribe eight to eight Apple, and then yeah, yeah. you do not oh, have you to subscribe not. to Apple. Okay. If you're a season ticket holder, it is free. It's free, right. yeah. So a lot of our listeners I know are. But look, honestly, I think this is the way things are going to go. I think you're going to see more leagues. MLB started it last year with Apple TV. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not Apple TV, but I think you're going to continue to see more and more of this streaming stuff. And you know, I don't know if MLS was right in being one of the first leagues to do it because – a MLS isn't that big yet, and B, we know MLS notoriously screws things up. Mm-hmm. But I'm willing to give it a chance. What I don't like is how they've handled this, and I yeah, wrote this from the jump that so many people were going to lose jobs over this. Uh-huh. And I mean, like, there was an article at the beginning of the World Cup, JP Delacamera, who recently has been calling Philadelphia yeah. Union. He was the voice of the Philadelphia Union, but has been, uh, you know part of MLS since the beginning. Sure. He doesn't know if he has a job <laughs> calling MLS. I mean, I remember back in the day, you know, he used to be one of the ESPN guys when they played yeah. four o'clock Saturday games. I mean, yeah. this, this is a guy that goes back to the North American soccer. Yeah. I mean, he's, and he's been, he's called some great women's yeah. U.S. soccer mm-hmm. games. I mean, he is very much a part of the women's yeah, that's, game. That's mind boggling to yeah. me. But, and, yeah. Well, and like the fact that they just couldn't find a way for more of these people to get, jobs because like you're calling the same number of games right like right. the game number hasn't changed in mm-hmm. fact it's increasing because you're adding another team so yeah. like yeah i well, i don't can. know yeah. i i hope and there's you know maybe there's options for people to stay with teams and do kind of what nfl teams do with i and we talked about this on the podcast back when it was all announced but you know it's kind of the the web stuff that you have with mls team or nfl teams but you know i just i don't yeah. i you could have kept local broadcast crews and still done. Yeah, the I think it's going to be it's going to be a lot like you know the NFL. You know, they assign crews to do games based on the importance of the game, and if the game's not very important, you mm-hmm. get you get the D. Exactly. You get the D booth. You know that's how it. That's but they how send. It's gonna work. But they send the crews to the games. Oh, and MLS is and not going to do that. MLS is not. MLS, do, MLS not. barely does it now. As is. It they will be phoning it. Right. In. I guarantee. Yeah. It. Yeah, that's except sad. for except for El Trafico, sure. <laughs> well, maybe hell is real. Let's let's close it up here because we've now been going for an hour and a half. I wanted to, uh, unless you had anything else, are you are you good? You're good. Okay, because I wanted to. T- we just talked about streaming uh, MLS games sixty years ago, the nineteen sixty two World Cup, and. Um, this, this coverage, and I can't play the audio, but this BBC anchor, you can see him here on my phone. He's setting up a game that's already been played for mm-hmm. the BBC audience because they had to send the film overseas and show it on the BBC later. It was dubbed the Battle of Santiago. The 62 World Cup was contested in Chile. And this was Italy and Chile. I'm going to read from the upshot now and this Twitter feed about this game. The tournament was already exceptional for its truly mental levels of violence. 
The first eight games saw three broken legs, a broken ankle, several cracked ribs, and a match with 69 free kicks. That's one every 78 seconds. But Chile and Italy took things to a new low. Tempers were already running high before kickoff, after Italian newspapers ran front pages ripping into the host nation. They condemned its capital city as, quote, a dump where the phones don't work and the taxis are as rare as faithful husbands, end quote. Very Italian. The Italian hacks then turned on the Chilean population, declaring them, quote, proudly miserable and backward and prone to illiteracy, alcoholism and poverty. They topped it off, noting a conspicuous lack of beauty among the local women. So this coverage got back to Chile. That didn't go well with the locals, and the crowd was simmering with rage before kickoff. In an attempt to cool tensions, Italian players handed out bouquets of flowers to (laughs) Chilean women. Oh, my God. The flowers were thrown back in their faces as abuse rained down from the terraces. As the teams walked out, the Chilean players spat in the Italian faces and it took just 13 seconds for the first foul. After four minutes, Italian midfielder Giorgio Farini was sent off for booting his Chilean opponent on the backside right in front of the referee. Ten minutes of chaos ensued as Farini refused to leave the pitch (laughs) before 18 armed police entered the field to frog march him down a tunnel. He walked so Ron Artest could run. There we go. (laughs) The first half. Sorry, that's Metal World Peace. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. The first half continued in that vein when just before halftime, Chilean captain Lionel Sanchez was fouled by Italian defender Mario David. Sanchez, the son of a professional boxer, leapt (laughs) up and landed a left hook on David's chin, knocking him out. Briefly. Somehow, Sanchez stayed on the pitch, was not run off. And this was before the days of red cards and yellow cards. Those weren't invented until, <laughs> uh, until 1970. And in a few minutes later, David took his revenge, fly-kicking Sanchez in the head. He was sent off. Italy now had nine men. In the second half, Sanchez struck again flooring Italian captain Humberto Macchio with a brutal uppercut and breaking his nose. But again, he somehow avoided punishment, with the referee later explaining, quote, I had my back to the incident, end quote. Amid the carnage, a football game somehow played out, with Chile running out 2 nothing winners, thanks to a headed goal and a spectacular long-range strike from Jorge Torre. After the game, Italy's training base was protected around the clock by an armed guard, and Italian fans were banned from restaurant, bars, and supermarkets across Chile. As for the South Americans, their punishment came later. At the next World Cup in England, they were forced to play at the drab Roker Park in Sunderland and Middlesbrough and so forth. Oh, they had to play in Sunderland? Yeah. Ooh, that is punishment. So that is an account of the Battle of Santiago and sort of an an overview of what the World Cup was like 60 years ago. Bring it back. Yeah. Yeah, All those broken legs? I don't know. I don't know if I can stomach that. Punching (laughs) a dude. It was a different game back then. So I doubt we'll see that on Saturday. You guys make your picks. Argentina, I've got France. Mm -hmm. We'll see how it all plays out. We'll reassemble here at some point at Saucy Brewworks. 
when what, uh, you what know. are we thinking, Sam? How when do we think the next this podcast got delayed? So like generally speaking, ballpark. Oh, we're probably looking. Yeah, we're probably looking like mid February. Uh, well, I'll miss you. Just I'll like miss unless you something guys. big happens, unless something yeah. big happens, but probably the last like the second or the third <clears throat> week of February, the last big hurrah of like friendly games before the season starts. But, are we going to the Carolina Challenge again? Is that what we're doing? No, they need. We don't yeah. know. We don't know. They need, a, they need a schedule before they can have a preseason uh, schedule. Yeah. Wilfred won't tell us, even uh, if we uh, are. Maybe we'll play in Quebec. 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 <laughs> wow. All right, Second boys. Day. Thank you so much, Murph, Bart, Sam. My name is Brian. Again, donate to the Andy Manathon this weekend. Yep. Do CD929FM.com oh, slash bond 614-221-1025. Donate what you can to help the kids of Central Ohio and honor the memory of Andy Man. We thank you. We thank that you, Saucy Brewworks. Like and subscribe. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, repeat well, that number so again twice. You have to repeat the number three We have not changed the podcast. They can rewind. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, we haven't changed Hit that back 15 seconds. Put it in the description. <laughs> All right, boys. We'll talk to you soon.